We're gonna be in, in Daniel chapter five this morning. It's on page 608, if you're using one of our Bibles. Daniel chapter five, 608. You know, we all have moments in life where opportunities come our way and it's almost like those opportunities find us. And we don't go searching them out. It's like they kind of show up on our front doorstep. And when these opportunities come, we have a choice to either say yes. And with the yes, man, it comes with a lot. I mean, it's, it's a new adventure. There's, there are things that might be scary. There's so much that is unknown. And, but there is an opportunity that is before us. And if you say yes, there's, it's marked with adventure and with growth and with new things. And you also have this choice when an opportunity comes to say no. And if you say no to an opportunity that presents itself to you, you just kind of find yourself going in the same path. And that's not always a bad thing. You know, um, when opportunities come our way, sometimes we use the sermon. It's like, oh, we know this is not a good thing. I remember when I was um, growing up, um, I grew up in small town Kentucky. We had four wheelers. One of my favorite things to do with my brother was to ride our four wheelers around the farm all over the country. And I had a friend and he was a year older than me. His name is Matt. And sisters go to church here. I wonder if Julie or Jenny are here. But anyways, Matt was one of those guys that just had zero fear. Any of you guys know people like that, you know, where there's something wrong in the brain? Maybe this is you. Where, you know, like nothing scared him. And so he's like, hey, my dad just built some new jumps for us, for our four-wheelers. Love for you to come over and try it out. And I'm like, yeah, that sounds fun. You know, my dad built us jumps that were like normal height for like normal people here. And, and so I show up to his house and the jumps that he are described, they are both taller than me and it's a double, which means that you jump one and you land on the other. And, and I was like, this is an opportunity that I need to pass up on because... <laughs> Love my bones and wanted to, to survive. And so there are moments where they come our way and it's like, we go, hey, you know what? This is not for me. But there are opportunities, and you know what I'm talking about, opportunities that come with weight, where, where God is like showing up at your doorstep. And, and it's these moments that I think when, when we have the courage to step in, to open the door, I mean, that we experience life in a totally different way. And I'm convinced that, that God comes to our front door, these opportunities, these moments, and you know it, you feel it in your body, the difference in a, a silly opportunity and something that God's doing. I remember when I was growing up, when I was in fifth grade, my youth pastor asked me, hey, I want you to, to preach. And so our church had this thing where the youth would get to, to lead worship sometimes. And he asked me, and I'm like, I, you know, polite politely decline your invitation to preach and 12 years old. And, and he kept asking me and I got the opportunity to preach because he wouldn't let me say no. And as I was preaching the word to God's people, there was a fire in my bones that I didn't experience in anything else in life. And I'm like, oh, the opportunity was from this guy, God was working through him to invite me into something new. And, and this morning, as we're going to be in Daniel chapter five, man, I, I want us to leave with real clarity about this, that I believe that God comes to us with these opportunities and opportunities that if we will step into them, we will know him more fully. We will experience his grace and his love and his power more fully. And what we do with these opportunities has eternal significance. So we're going to jump into Daniel chapter 5 and really just kind of unpack this, man, the, the reality of when, when God brings opportunities our way. 
Man, how are we are to, to steward those moments? But before we do, I wanna just remind us of, of where we've been the past few weeks. And so we've been in the book of Daniel studying this guy named Daniel and his three buddies, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, also known as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And, and, and what we are looking at is that these four men were trying to live out their faith in a culture and in a context where everyone didn't honor and love the Lord like they did. And at every turn, these four men, they had a chance to make. Would they conform to the, to the norms of the day that were really anti the Lord? Or would they stand up and, and be faithful even if it cost them? And last week, we looked at this really kind of unique and crazy story about this pagan and prideful king named Nebuchadnezzar that, that God pursued and that God humbled and that ultimately this man, Nebuchadnezzar, came to believe in the Lord. And today we're going to be working our way through Daniel chapter five. And what I want to do is I want to just contrast two people in this story and how they kind of stewarded these opportunities that came their way. And so one is going to be Daniel and one is going to be this guy named Belshazzar. And so I want to set up the story and then we're going to look at at Daniel and Belshazzar's responses. And so read with me, Daniel chapter five, starting in verse one, it says, King Belshazzar gave a great banquet for a thousand of his nobles and drank wine with them. While Belshazzar was drinking his wine, he gave orders to bring in the gold and silver goblets that Nebuchadnezzar, his father, had taken from the temple in Jerusalem so that the king and his nobles, his wives, and his concubines might drink from them. So they brought in the gold goblets that had been taken from the temple of God in Jerusalem, and the king and his nobles, his wives, and his concubines drank from them. And as they drank the wine, they praised the gods of gold and silver, bronze, iron, wood, and stone. Suddenly... The fingers of a human hand appeared and wrote on the plaster of the wall near the lampstand in the royal palace. The king watched the hand as it wrote. His face turned pale and he was so frightened that his legs became weak and his knees were knocking. And so this story that we're looking at this morning happened about 20 years after the story that we were in last week. Um, This is uh, the grandson of King Nebuchadnezzar. So remember last week, the story Andrew talked about, we're looking at Nebuchadnezzar. Now we're looking at this guy's grandson. He is the the new king of Babylon, Belshazzar. And and all throughout this story, he's called the son of Nebuchadnezzar or Nebuchadnezzar's called his father. And and that's a little confusing, but... um, because it's like, well, um, you're telling me that his grandson, why is it calling him his son? All throughout scripture, so often son and father would be used just as a way of describing a descendant. So you see this even with Jesus in Luke chapter 18, Lord, son of David, Jesus, son of David. It's like Jesus was not the son of David, right? He was a son of Joseph. Um, but all throughout scripture, what you see is that this is just a way of talking about a descendant. And so Belshazzar, the king of Babylon, he throws this huge party. Every important official, high-ranking person in the city is there. The alcohol is flowing. And Belshazzar decides to flex at his own party. This moment where he shows that he has absolutely no regard for God. He does this unthinkable, even in their context, acts that he brings in the goblets from the temple of the God of Jerusalem and he drinks from them. And then we're gonna talk about this a little bit more in detail at the end of the story. But as he's having this party, as the, the alcohol is flowing, it says that suddenly the hand of fingers appear out of nowhere and they start writing something on the wall. And I wanna just make it clear, this is not the effects of the alcohol, right? 
Like this is not something that he's seeing in his imagination. And we know this because the story goes on and other people can see the writing. This is not just something that's happening in his own mind. And, and I want to just stop there for a second and go, you know, that's really foreign to us. I don't know if you've ever been at a party and just out of nowhere saw fingers start writing on the wall. And, and because this is so foreign, you know, so often what we do with foreign things is it's easy just to dismiss them, put them in a category of fairy tale. I love that language that Dave brought a couple weeks ago. But I want to say this, in their culture, they placed a huge emphasis on magic and enchantment. And I think this is really interesting because God speaks right into the culture that they're speaking. So there's writing on the wall. No one knows what to do with it. The king calls in every wise man in the country. Literally all the wise people are at his party. None of them know what to do. He's like, hey, what, is, what does this say? Sorry, boss, we have no clue. Belshazzar begins to panic. Verse 10, I love how the story keeps going. The queen mother, grandmother, hearing the voices of the king and his nobles came into the banquet hall. May the king live forever, she said. Don't be alarmed. Don't look so pale. There's a man in your kingdom who has the spirit of the holy gods in him. In the time of your father, he was found to have insight and intelligence and wisdom like that of the gods. Your father, King Nebuchadnezzar, appointed him chief of the magicians, enchanters, astrologers, and diviners. He did this because Daniel, whom the king called Belteshazzar, was found to have a keen mind and knowledge and understanding and also the ability to interpret dreams explain riddles and solve difficult problems. I love this. Call for Daniel. He'll tell you what the writing means. At the height of this party, at the height of their helplessness, there's someone who can help. And Daniel is brought before this king. And I love what verse 17 says. Daniel says to the king, I will read the writing for the king and I will tell him what it means. Now I want to stop here for a minute and I want us to just talk about Daniel for a minute. And, and the, the path that, that Daniel chose to take with the opportunities that God put before him is marked by this, that he was faithful in the shadows, not just in the spotlight. Daniel was faithful in the shadows. You know, Daniel spent much of his life um, as we've seen the past few weeks, being known and prominent with the spotlight shining on him. I mean, I, I love this. In Nebuchadnezzar's day, he was so incredibly important. Listen to what was written about him in Daniel chapter two when Daniel was a younger man serving under King Nebuchadnezzar. This is Daniel chapter two. It says, King Nebuchadnezzar fell prostrate before Daniel and paid him honor. He made Daniel ruler over the entire province of Babylon and placed him in charge of all the wise men. I mean, Daniel was known and recognized and honored. He had this clear purpose in his life, which was to advise the king. And then this new king comes to reign. And Daniel really moves from this place of spotlight to this place in the shadows. And for 20 years, he's out of the spotlight. And as I was wrestling this week, I go, man, this, this story, it tells us so much about Daniel, even though it doesn't tell us a whole lot about Daniel. The question I was wrestling with this week is, what in the world was Daniel doing in the shadows when no one was looking at him? Let me ask a few questions this morning. You don't have to answer out loud, but just for introspection, what were, what were you like 20 years ago? 
Some of you were like, I was negative one. I was not here 20 years ago. <laughs> 20 years ago, some of you weren't followers of Jesus. Man, but if, if you're here this morning and, and you were a, a, a passionate and committed disciple of Jesus and you still are today, let me ask you some questions. What are some things that you've done the past 20 years to keep your love for Jesus growing? You know, the reason I ask these questions is because 20 years is a very long time. There is a potential for a lot to happen over two decades. And, and this week, as I was looking at this text, I go, man, when, when, when you're in the spotlight, when you're in a season of life where you know you're being used by God, man, it's, it's much easier to cultivate a heart for God. I mean, there, there's this built-in accountability when, when man, when, when you're leading a house church or when you're serving on the freedom prayer team or when at work you have this place of influence or when you're discipling someone. I mean, when, when the spotlight of God is on you, we might not be abiding with God, but all of us understand that, man, that we need to be abiding with God. We, we need him. We are dependent upon God. And there's something that, that we learn about the spotlight to, to be dependent upon God. But the question I was asking is, man, what do we do in the shadows when the pressure is off? When we don't need God as much to come through for us. And there's not that built-in accountability. And what I want us to see this morning is that if we want to be useful to our God, ready to be put in the game at any moment, we'd be really wise to learn from Daniel about how to thrive in the shadows, not just in the spotlight. And we're gonna learn some very practical next week as Dave's gonna talk about Daniel chapter six and some things that we're cultivating in the shadows. But for today, what I want us to notice is that just this idea that in the shadows, Daniel kept walking with the Lord. He kept believing he was ready to use the gifts that God had given him for the glory of God. Remember in Daniel chapter one, it says that God had, had gifted Daniel with the ability to interpret visions and dreams. And I love this because what you see Daniel doing is cultivating this. And guys, what you do in the shadows when the spotlight isn't on you really matters. This has kind of become one of the, the things that when we're looking for house church leaders, or when we're looking for staff, or when we're looking for elders, one of the questions that we always ask is, what are the people already doing? And they're not, they're not get, they don't have a position, they're not getting paid, they're doing it because they feel the call of God in their life to do it. I mean, when the last elders, Dave and Drew, when we were um, talking about who was gonna come in and, and serve as one of our elders, we're going, man, who are, who are people that are already discipling and loving and opening their home and serving? And who are the people that are, are going out of their way to, to build up the body of Christ? And it was like, oh, they were doing it in the shadows. And I go, guys, I want you to be really honest with yourself. Are you walking with God when the pressure is not on you? And if you're not, you're missing out. You're missing out on God. You're missing out on the life of God flowing through you. Let me ask you, how has God gifted you? And how are you cultivating that gift in the shadows? You know, for some of you, God has given you the ability to just make money 
you don't even try and you make money. Like my brother's this way, just an entrepreneur, just ideas come and he just figures out how to make money. And I go, guys, for, for some of you, the reason that God's blessed you immensely with the ability to make money is, is because he wants you to steward that for his glory. And you don't have to feel bad that God's given you the ability to make money, but I want to encourage you in the shadow right now, how are you stewarding and saving? Not so that you can have this incredible retirement so that when a huge kingdom up opportunity comes your way, you're ready to invest. How are you living in the shadows? How are you cultivating your gifts in the shadows? For some of you, it's the gift of encouragement. God's given you the gift of encouragement and you don't have a, a prime outlet to do that right now. Man, how are you writing letters? How are you being intentional about using that gift when the spotlight's not on you? For some of you, it's a gift of, of, of prophecy or a gift of hospitality. And I go, when no one is watching you, what are you reading? What podcast are you listening to? How are you praying over your home, inviting your, the Lord to let your home be a place of peace and healing and comfort? See, Daniel, man, was faithful in the shadows. He kept believing. He kept walking with God. He was cultivating this gift that God had given to him. And because he did, he was useful to God when the spotlight shined on him. The other person we're going to look at this morning is this king, the new king of Babylon, Belshazzar. And, and he is the exact opposite. If Daniel was faithful in the shadows, Belshazzar was faithless in the spotlight. We're going to jump back into the story. Huge party, alcohol's flowing, writing on the wall. No one can interpret it. Daniel says that he can. I'm going to summarize verses 18 through 21 just for the sake of time. Daniel is brought in and he looks at Belshazzar and this is what he says to him. He says, you knew, king, what God did to your grandfather. You knew that, that Nebuchadnezzar, because he was arrogant and hard-hearted, for seven years God humbled him. And he lived like an animal outside. He lost everything. He lost his dignity. He lost his respect. He lost his throne. And God was showing your grandfather that he was not as great as he thought he was. He was showing your granddad, and you knew this, that everything he had wasn't because he was so great, but because God was so great. And listen to what Daniel says to him in verse 22. But you, Belshazzar, his son... You have not humbled yourself, though you knew all this. Instead, you've set yourself up against the Lord of heaven. You had the goblets from his temple brought to you, and you and your nobles, your wives, your concubines drank from them. You praised the gods of silver and gold, of bronze, iron, wood, and stone, which cannot see or hear or understand, but you did not honor the God who holds in his hand your life in all your ways. And he looks at this king Imagine being brought before the king and saying these words. He says, you knew what God had done to Nebuchadnezzar. You know, it was believed that Belshazzar witnessed all of this happening firsthand to his grandfather. So he saw his granddad being king and then he saw his granddad go crazy. For seven years, he didn't see his granddad. Seven Christmases, seven birthday parties, no granddad. He's walking down the street to get dinner one night and, and there's his granddad. And he goes over to him, Nebuchadnezzar. 
and he's disgruntled and, and, and his hair is long and his fingernails are long and he doesn't remember him and it, and it shook him. Oh my goodness. My granddad doesn't even remember me. He remembered. He knew what God had done to Nebuchadnezzar and, and, and he also knew the, the turnaround that came in his grandfather's life. He saw his grandfather acknowledge and give glory and praise and honor to, to God and he saw in an act of undeserved kindness the kingdom be restored to his granddad. He saw his granddad go from the palace to the pasture back to the palace. He saw the power of God. And he saw the grace of God and he saw the kindness of God and he knew that humility was a lesson to be learned. He knew to, to not exalt yourself, to not worship yourself, to not think so highly of yourself above everyone else. And I want you to see this. He knew it and yet he dismissed it. He ignored it. He refused to step into this opportunity that God was bringing his way. What I was thinking about this week is that, man, God chooses to get our attention, to wake us up in so many different ways. And God expects us when these opportunities come, he expects us to act on them. You know, Belshazzar doesn't have this seven-year humbling like his grandfather did. He didn't lose his mind, find himself living out in the pasture, but he knew about it. He heard stories of others talking about what Nebuchadnezzar had done, and instead of, of him hearing that and entertaining this idea about there being an all-powerful, all-loving God, instead of asking questions, instead of studying and, and seeking He chose to ignore it. Guys, I believe God works through all sorts of ways to try to get our attention, to wake us up, to help us move from not knowing him into a deep, loving relationship with him. And sometimes our God is incredibly overt and sometimes he's covert. You know, sometimes, you know, it's, he's incredibly overt in trying to, to get your attention for, for you. It's, 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 you ever sat through it? Uh, listened to a podcast or been at church, listened to a teaching, and it felt like every single word was written for you? Or you ever had a, a dream where you knew God was inviting you to step more fully into life with him, or maybe you've received a word from somebody, or, 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 or someone looked at you and, and, and invited you to church. There are overt ways where God is just trying to get your attention, and there's covert ways that God goes about it. You're not a follower of Jesus, but you find yourself moving into this apartment and you discover that your roommate is a devoted follower of Jesus. Or, you, or your next door neighbor loves the Lord or your coworker that you're working on this new project with. I go, those are not coincidences. It's a covert ways of God trying to get your attention. And I, and I wonder this morning, let's go a little bit deeper. How many of us, if we're being really honest, we want God to meet us on our own terms? We're like, you know what? I'll be all in with God. I'll do whatever it takes if, if he will just prove himself. And I go, some of you today, if you're being really honest, man, you know that God's trying to get your attention. 
You know that, that he is calling you to him. He's calling you to more. And my encouragement to you, my word to you this morning is please don't ignore him. Please don't allow the enemy to convince you that it's not God. I go, if you're not a follower of Jesus, or if you're a follower of Jesus and you've gotten off the path, God is pursuing you. It's him. He is. He, he wants to save you. He wants to forgive you. Man, if, if you were held down right now by anxiousness and, and, or anxiety and, and guilt and shame and fear and regret, he has come to lift those things. And this same God, man, came 600 years later, the person of Jesus, and he was hung on a cross, nails through his hands, nails through his feet, took his last breath, literally died on the cross. And he didn't just do that because he was a nice guy and because he cared about it. He did that so that the Father could put all of our sins on Jesus. The fullness of the wrath of God because of our rebellion could be poured out on Jesus. And that God has come. And he's knocking on the door of your heart today saying, man, I've, the, the things that, that, that you need, I have come to bring you peace and joy and life. You see, like many of you, Belshazzar was experiencing God, this opportunity from God. What will you do with it? Man, Belshazzar chooses wrongly instead of learning and, and seeking. Man, he chooses to ignore God. And I encourage you this morning, do not ignore God. Whether you're a follower or not. Belshazzar, he, he, he ignores God, but then he even takes it a step further and he, and he begins to mock God. Says that he has the goblets from the temple of the God of Jerusalem brought into his party. And this was sacrilegious, even unthinkable in their context. You didn't do this. And he was just being incredibly explicit to everyone at the party and to God himself. I care nothing about bending my knee to you. I care nothing about serving you like my granddad did. He, he leads the officials in worship, but not to, to the God of the heavens, to the, the gods of wood and stone. And, and God shows up in the midst of him resisting and ignoring and hardening him, his heart and, and elevating himself to the place of God. And listen to how the story ends in verse 24. It says, Daniel's interpreting the writing, and this is what he says. He said, he sent the hand that wrote the inscription. God sent the hand that wrote the inscription. And this is what the inscription that was written. So writing on the wall, Daniel goes, this is what it was written. Mene, mene, tekel, parson. And here's what these words mean. Mene. God has numbered the days of your reign and brought it to an end. Tekel. You've been weighed on the scales and found wanting. Paris, your kingdom is divided and given to the Medes and Persians. Then at Belshazzar's command, Daniel was clothed in purple. A gold chain was placed around his neck and he was proclaimed the third highest ruler in the kingdom. 
And that very night, Belshazzar, king of the Babylonians, was slain. And Darius the Mede took over the kingdom at the age of 62. This is the word of the Lord from Daniel 5. And so a couple things, you know. Hey, I want you to notice that Daniel's interpretation was, was true. It came to pass. He said, your, your days are numbered, found wanting. It's to an end. And then later that night it happened. Don't miss that. Guys, when, when we choose to walk with God, we're useful to God. Man, we're so useful to God. He can use us. And some of you this morning, the, the thing that you need to hear is you just need to keep walking with God, whether you're in the spotlight or in the shadows. This morning, keep being humble. Keep being repentant when the Spirit convicts you. Keep giving him glory, whether you're in the spotlight or in the shadows, and God will use you for his glory. And there's gonna be moments where he might put you in the spotlight and then pull you back to the shadows. Take courage that the God of the heavens is using you. And he will use you. You keep being faithful. Keep being ready to be put in the game. Others of you this morning, man, and, and what is so hard to see about this story is that instead of responding to this opportunity to walk with the Lord through repentance, Belshazzar just doubles down with pride. So he said, the beginning of this chapter, we didn't read this, but he said, hey, anyone who can interpret this dream, I'll clothe them in purple, I'll give them a gold chain, I'm gonna elevate them to the third highest position. And think about this. Daniel interprets these words to him, and instead of taking them to heart, instead of being moved by them, instead of walking in repentance, instead of doing something with them, what does he do? He cares more about saving face around everyone else. Man, he doubles down in his pride. Guys, some of you know Jesus is inviting you to live for him, to step all the way in. Man, some of you, you come here this morning and you're not a devoted follower of Jesus, but you believe in him. Yet you're concerned about, man, what your coworkers or your family or your friends, what they're gonna think if you step in. You're concerned about your past and you know the person that you were and you're, and you're concerned about, and I go, guys, let Jesus sort all that stuff out. If he's inviting you to surrender, to wave the white flag, don't ignore him any longer. You know, Dave said this thing earlier this week. There's this human tendency um, to always just believe there's gonna be another chance, right? Like, we all just acknowledge this, that, that most of us, we live from this place where like, oh, there'll always be tomorrow. I'll do it later. You know, I'll get right with God tomorrow. I'll get right on another day. And guys, what we, if, if we read this story and we miss this, we've missed a huge, significant part of it. Our lives are limited and our days are numbered. And there's a day coming for every single one of us where we will stand in front of Jesus. And for those who in this life received Jesus as Savior, as Lord, 
For those who in this life, man, they, they responded to the opportunities of God, to the pursuit of God by, by leaning in and by, and by continuing yielding your, your heart and your ways and putting your plans in God's hand. For those of you who, who have spent your life receiving the love of God, being shaped by his lordship, the moment that you stand in front of Jesus, it's going to be a great and a glorious day as you see the one who purchased your salvation who loved you faithfully. It'll be a day where, where you realize just how loved by God you are when he embraces you and you spend all of eternity basking at the creator, Yahweh, the God of Israel, Jesus, the Messiah. It'll be a glorious day when you see him for who he is when you see the eyes like fire and you realize it was worth it. Everything in this life was worth it. All the pain, all the sacrifice, it was nothing compared to seeing the beauty and the glory of the one who paid it all for you. Great and glorious day. But for others, those who reject him, who spend their lives, man, even though God is showing up and he's knocking opportunity after opportunity and you're like, I'll get to it later. For those who spent your whole life hitting snooze, it's gonna be a dreadful day. And just like Belshazzar, your life will be found wanting. And you'll give an account for your life. Why you ignored the Lord? Why you refuse to go in? It's going to be a moment. of Complete devastation. We realized, man, you resisted God your whole life. Don't pass up the opportunity. You are not promised tomorrow. I'm not promised tomorrow. I'm not promised this evening. I love 2 Corinthians 6. God says, in the, in, the, in the day of salvation, I helped you. In the day of my favor, I heard you. And the very next verse says, now is the time of God's favor. Now is the day of salvation. Here in just a minute, we're going to take communion. It's a time to, to celebrate the death and the resurrection Jesus to anticipate his return. And at Ethos, what we do in communion is we use this as a time to, to reflect and to respond. And so we share with the people around us. And I want to encourage you this morning, man, if, if you want to give your life to Jesus, we want to help you do that. If you want to be baptized, if you want to go all in, man, we have some, some cards at the respond banner. You can fill those out. We'd love to help you take your next step. Some of you this morning, you realize that you just need to repent. And repentance is one of the greatest gifts, I think, in the Christian life. It's not confessing. It's not just saying that you've done wrong. It's literally turning course, going a new direction. And it's, we're taking communion this morning. If you need to, to confess and to repent of some ways, do that. If you need help doing that, come to the respond banner. Our prayer team would love to help you. Some of you this morning, you just need prayers to keep being faithful in the shadows or in the spotlight. 
Some of you this morning, as, as, as you've thought about, man, the, the day of Christ, the day where everyone will give an account, it's, it's bubbled up inside of you as a follower of Jesus, like, oh yeah, we've got to prepare the world for that moment. And if you need prayers for, for courage, if there's someone in your life that doesn't know Jesus and you're like, man, I want them to know Christ, man, come and let's pray with them. Let's pray for God to draw them, to open their eyes. Let's pray that God would give you courage to share him. And for all of us, man, and let's ask God, hey, keep moving among us, even this morning. So I invite you to stand. I'm going to pray for us, and then we'll go take communion. And so, Lord, man, please be unbound among us this morning, oh God. And God, may we open the door. May we step into whatever it is that you're saying. God, if, if there's a really clear step for us to take, would you make that just I'm so clear right this moment. And, if, and if, if you're just wanting us to return our heart to you once again, God, make that clear. But would you move as we break the bread and drink the cup? We look to you, Jesus. In your name we pray, amen. Let's go and take communion. Grab a piece of bread, cup of juice. Come back to your seat. Go receive prayer at the Respond banner. Love you all so much.